The next conversation that we're going to have is around venture capital. I'm actually quite excited about this. Um, so we're going to be looking at venture capital, the innovation thereof, uh, the social impact in venture capital, job creation. We've been hearing a lot. Uh, we've been hearing that word a lot, but you know, perhaps how venture capital and investing in, in venture capital could um, contribute to job creation. Uh, and joining me for this panel is Ketso Gordon from the SA SMME Fund, the CEO. If you can just, thank you. <laughs> if you can just have a seat. Uh, Grant Rock, uh, as well as Emmanuel Lutuli. Ketso, let's start off with you. Perhaps just explain to us um, the SA SMME Fund, uh, its core strategy and, and what it entails, because uh, this is definitely going to link it with venture, venture capital. So the SME fund was uh, put together with funding that came from 50 large listed corporates uh, who put up 900 million and the PIC on behalf of the UIF and the compensation fund uh, and the GPF uh, put in 500 million. So we are a fund of funds of 1.4 billion and we've decided that uh, we want to do early stage and small uh, businesses and so half our money is being allocated to venture capital funds the other half to growth uh, equity and debt funds and uh, by the end of this year we would have committed all the money uh, specifically on the venture capital side we have given money to two uh, existing venture capital funds knife and 40i and the rest of our money is going to first-time venture capital funds, which is you know, pretty much at the highest end of the risk uh, profile. We've created a uh, biotech fund called OneBio. We are, uh, we've created something called the University Technology Fund. It was hard to believe such a thing did not exist because it basically commercializes the IP coming out of uh, universities. Uh, we've put money into a thing called Savant, which has been an incubator for hardware businesses, working with inventors for a long time now, but never had a fund. So we've put 100, 110 million into Savant. And the last thing is a first time black woman managed fund in Johannesburg. All the other stuff is in Cape Town. Okay, great. Grant, uh, just speak to us about the venture capital fund that you look after. Um, and you know, what are some of the main challenges in the venture capital space specifically in South Africa? But if you can first start off to expand okay. your funding. Yeah, so we invest in technology businesses exclusively, um, both in SA and uh, into Africa. Uh, we currently have nine portfolio companies. We're probably adding another three uh, this, between now and the end of the year. Um, we raise money from private high net worth individuals. We don't have any institutional investors per se. Um, there are some institutional investors who've put money into VC, um, lots of momentum, um, and and others. Uh, and yeah, for us, we early stage, post revenue businesses, high growth, target minimum of thirty percent return a year. Um, exciting space, growing, um, a lot of good uh, businesses being built. Um, uh, across all sorts of sectors. There are a lot of sectors that, that need innovation and disruption. Um, a lot happening sort of across the board. Um, both Joburg and Cape Town, there's a lot happening. I would say Cape Town's a little bit more developed as an ecosystem in terms of 
all the different players, things like um, incubators and accelerator programs, etc. Um, and yeah, we think there's still a lot of legs ahead. Um, and these are, you know, small small companies that don't necessarily employ lots of people, but they do create jobs and. Um, they, there are a lot of knock-on benefits into the different sectors that they play in. Okay. Emmanuel, maybe you can speak to us about uh, your venture capital fund and how it differs from the pure and traditional kind of way of doing things. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. First of all, I'll tell you a story about how I, I ended up here. Um, I left Discovery, right? I used to work at Discovery. Hello, Ketzel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to work at Discovery. I decided to go home in Guazulu Natal. How many people are from Msinga? Uh, no Msinga. You know Msinga? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it's a very rural community. Mm. I found an uncle of mine. He was unemployed. I asked him, what happened? You had a great job in the farm, and you're unemployed to date. Uh, you're perfectly healthy and strong, and uh, can execute and it can add value to any farmer. He then said to me, young man, uh, the farming inputs have gone up. So the farmer then decided to lay me off. Uh, for that reason, I'm unemployed. Then I asked him, but you're great friends with the farm owner. Why? Is that feedback? Sorry. But you're, you're great friends um, to, to the farming owner. Couldn't you negotiate some sort of a salary cut? so I had to keep you employed, because right now you're depressed and your whole family is feeling it, right? He then said to me, you know what, young man, um, I, need a, I need a certain amount of energy to do the work that I do in a farm, right? Let's say for argument's sake, he needs 100, 1,000 calories to execute his job. And if he had to get a salary cut, that means you, you won't be able to buy enough food to give him the 1,000 calories that he needs to execute. So you can almost sketch some sort of um, a concurve graph, right? Alongside that, right? To execute on productivity versus uh, the amount of earnings that one can get, right? So effectively, what he needed, he needed to strike that sweet spot in terms of the calories so that he can execute the job. If you had to strike, imagine having to strike um, a, a horizontal, a diagonal, um, 45 degree line across that curve, what you'd find that that intersection is the sweet spot, which I call an unstable state, because he's lost his job. In an unstable state, what has happened now is he's lost his job and he's earning zero, right? And if you had to continue with the cone curve and make it an S graph, right? What you'd find, what you'd find is perhaps his future generation can go onto the next graph, in the next side, the right side of the graph, and earn more money, and for the family. But where he is right now, he's stuck in what you call a biological trap, right? He cannot earn as much so that he can buy the enough nutrition to to execute his job. Does it make sense? Mm. Fantastic. So. I mean, having thought about that a lot, and I realized that that problem wasn't unique to himself. It was unique to, it was actually across Nusinga, where it's a farming uh, community and lots of peasant farmers there. I thought to myself, perhaps one has to look for some sort of a model to help these people buy farms or start off some sort of a taxi business 
so that they can empower their families, etc. Right? Hence, so coming back to, to the, the point, yes. to my point <laughs> in terms of uh, where we are, was effectively an online crowdfunding platform that uh, less curated, uh, professional uh, VC-led um, companies that are curated on our platform to enable uh, companies across the African continent to raise capital from various communities within the continent, including the diaspora as well, uh, so that they can move on to the next stage. Great. Yeah. Uh, Ketzel, maybe we can bring you in here. Um, of course, there will be some kind of, of challenge or a number of challenges, uh, issues and trends um, that we're seeing in the South African landscape when it comes to venture capital. Of course, it, 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 it's born from seeking opportunity and seeking different ways of investment, but there are definitely some issues and some challenges. Uh, can you speak to what they could possibly be? Yeah, I, mean, I, th I think the ones that are well recorded uh, in, in, in venture capital one is we definitely lag uh, our peer countries, including uh, in Africa, in just the number of entrepreneurs that we have in South Africa. So whether it's our education system problems or the fact that uh, if you are a 35-year-old smart guy or girl, the options are so much easier to go and work for you know, a large corporate or a parastatal or uh, you know, any, any, other, any of the other softer options and not become an entrepreneur. Whereas in places like Nigeria and Kenya, I think we just have a lot more, more entrepreneurs. The second issue clearly is funding. Uh, there's a, 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 a lot of people that would argue that there's just not enough funding and you know, up to a point that's valid. I think in general, there's more money than there are good deals, but there are some, you know, there are definitely some deals that struggle to find funding because the risk appetite uh, at, at a particular level just, just doesn't exist. And I think uh, the point about why Cape Town is doing better than Johannesburg sure. is an important one because these things, VC requires a more end-to-end -end ecosystem where you've got universities, you've got incubators, you've got accelerators, you've got people doing angel investing, seed investing. You need the whole spectrum to be working reasonably well. And Cape Town has had a head start uh, Mark Shuttleworth helped create uh, what is today Knife. Uh, the 40 I guys got lucky 10 years ago and got some money from the Oppenheimers and, and a few other people. And so it's taken 10 years to get Cape Town to where it is today. And Joburg is sort of you know, playing catch up, but you know, it, will, it will take another, I suspect, another two or three or four years for it to complete, complete uh, building the ecosystem. The genetic problem in South Africa is that Unlike most other countries where VC has taken off, government uh, has always played a leading role, whether it's in Silicon Valley or anywhere else. Whereas in South Africa, government is basically, as we all know, not being very effective at the moment, not just in VC, but in, in general. So, uh, so that, you know, those are, I would say those are the three big things. If government came to the party in a meaningful way and geared up private sector investment, uh, into the VC space and by providing a first loss, uh, you know, that would be a fantastic contribution because it would help generate you know, maybe another 10 or 15 venture capital funds. We, ne we need to be at 20 to 30 venture capital funds. We probably have you know, about 10 that you can name and, and, and sort of identify today. So you know, we're on the way, but long way to go. 
Emmanuel, I want to ask you this question. Do you think that South Africa has enough bankable projects? You know, there are lots of many great ideas out there, but, you know, are they investable? Uh, business needs capital to start, and the, there's always an issue of funding, but do we have enough investable projects in the, in the venture capital space? Okay, I have to partially agree with uh, Ketso, but uh, partially uh, in, in quotations. Uh, solely because I believe that uh, there are quite a number of South Africans with great ideas. It's just that uh, how, the question should be how do we enable them to hop on to the entrepreneurship horse and uh, what are the building blocks in uh, enabling those people stuck in corporates and have got ideas that they want to put into the markets and, uh, but are probably maybe have got bills to pay and that sort of thing. I think uh, what's going on internationally, what I've observed is uh, from an education perspective is you're taught entrepreneurship from a very early stage. I think uh, for, with that said, what it does is it promotes entrepreneurship in, uh, in the minds and hearts of everybody around and all the communities understand so they're willing to share the information and guide you going forward. Um, I worked for a fund of funds um, in SF for a while. And uh, to my surprise, uh, the performance of that fund of funds wasn't too great at all. And when I looked at the portfolio, I also found out that there were quite a number of venture capital firms that we all know, and their performance was uh, very low. So I feel sorry for people like Keto. He's in a very tough position because um, it's the first time it's almost being done in uh, South Africa. And uh, what then happened, what you find normally, what I found, I was tasked to investigate in terms of uh, what can we do better, what interventions can that fund or fund uh, do in terms of undertake for, for the fund performance to, in, to, to improve. My ingoing hypothesis at the time was... Uh, perhaps to, was the assumption that perhaps uh, uh, venture capital is broken. I mean, like if performance is not trickling in uh, and they're not outperforming uh, public markets given the illiquidity and the fees and that sort of thing, perhaps we shouldn't look into it because we're wasting a lot of people's money. Um, however, the interest was how then do we create jobs and keep them sustainable uh, we had to figure out a way of keeping the um, uh, entrepreneurship alive. Uh, so what we then did is uh, head meetings with various VCs. And um, I, I must say I was faced with quite a, a lot of stone-cold resistance because uh, they were not too forthcoming with giving information or furnishing information about their fund in terms of their funding, economics, etc. Uh, perhaps it's also the questions and the background training that I probably have, which is similar to you guys, in asking detailed questions, etc., about the funding economics. Uh, they were not too forthcoming with, with providing the, the, the information. To cut the whole story short, uh, what we then did is, uh, after the engagement uh, with these uh, fund, uh, venture capitalists, I found out that uh, venture capitalists are actually doing their job. They're doing their job perfectly well. They're great capitalists. They're selling what LPs get out by at a price that LP, uh, LP funds like Kesos would pay, right? Uh, regardless of the black economics, etc., black, uh, black holes. Um, 
I think that what, what we need to do, uh, or what LPs need to do, what is more data analysis. That's where the actual skills perhaps may come into play, as well as uh, that will give us some sort of pointers as far as uh, uh, we, uh, if the fund is investable, as well as improve the transparency of um, the VC ecosystem. Currently, SAFCA doesn't have detailed information about what's transpiring in the market, et cetera, particularly for venture capitalist firms. They, they do have some somewhat uh, limited information as far as PE is concerned, but when you go to the lower echelon of the group, there's almost everybody's thumb sucking. If you ask anybody what's the failure rate of startups, they'll tell you 80%, 33%, whatever the case may be. Thank you. Great. Uh, Grant, perhaps if we can speak about the, the tech space. We know a lot of startups come from, from that, that space. Uh, but can you contrast the tech space with other sectors and the rest of the industry and other sectors um, when it comes to the early stage of business in South Africa? Um, yeah, so the reason we chose tech as a the, you know, focus area for us is uh, technology business is the easiest business to scale and to scale quickly. Um, where you can build something and you don't need to add lots of people or locations in order to grow it. Um, so uh, most physical businesses can only grow at a certain rate, whereas technology businesses can, can grow um, much quicker, requiring much less resources um, if they get it right. Um, so obviously there, there are all sorts of opportunities across the board of people starting businesses um, in all sorts of sectors. Um, but a traditional business is not necessarily so exciting. There may be opportunities. You might build a, a nice business, but you're not necessarily going to um, build something that's going to outperform. That's going to, you know, perform. You know, give the investors some sort of super normal return. Um, I mean, I think it's also important to note that as an asset class, venture capital is very, very new still in South Africa. I would say, in terms of a recognised asset class. It's not even five years old. And that's important because if you look at institutions, right, um, pension funds, et cetera, which in other countries they know that they're going to allocate a percentage to, to venture capital, um, we're not there yet. So there are a few institutions who've taken small steps, but the reality is some – okay, fine, the PRC is put into SASME fund, et cetera, one example. But the reality is that a lot more institutions should be, as part of the alternative um, allocation, should be saying, well, what can we put into VC? And yes, it may be more risky, and whether they invest directly or they go through other managers, um, it is still quite new. So a lot has to happen. Um, a lot more entrepreneurs have to come to the fore, a lot more support for them. Um, and yes, I think government support's important. So obviously we've got something like 12J as an incentive for investors to put money into the space, and it has brought quite a bit of money into the space. But uh, I agree with Ket, so we need more government support in terms of actual tax incentives for the businesses themselves. Um, and that will help to drive, you know, the government keeps talking, yes, growth must come through SMEs, et cetera, but where's the support, where's, where are the incentives to get those businesses off the ground and to support them? Okay, Ketzel, maybe you can come in here and, and speak to some of the examples um, of impact investment that you've come across where the fund has been involved. Use this time to make a really important point and then answer your question. Sure, that's fine. So in, if you look at the SAVCA statistics for private equity, 
just over 80% of all the rands invested in private equity deals in South Africa is replacement capital. So basically you're buying an existing business, exiting shareholders are taking the cash off the table, and you know, the money is going into, into, into that business. So as a job creation, growth strategy, you know, private equity is uh, probably being oversold as an asset class. Uh, I don't think it has much capacity to actually contribute meaningfully to the kind of impact and growth and innovation we're looking for as a country. So that's an advert for why venture capital is so important because about 99% of the RANDs invested in venture capital is for growth. Uh, and it's typically going into uh, developing new technology or hiring an extra person so that you can scale the business. You know, it's going into all the kinds of things that South Africa needs. Economies don't grow without innovation and technological advancement. So, you know, for me, that's a, that's a, a very strong business case for why we should be, uh, as, as investors, uh, looking at at least putting a portion of that money into what is clearly a high-risk area, but clearly a high-reward area. So, you know, Im impact in, in, in venture capital, uh, I think there are various categories. So clearly the one that we think is really important is innovation. So we are definitely backing people who are inventing new things. So one of our most recent deals is a technology that comes out of a university. The IP allows you to produce uh, proteins, is the word I'm looking for, proteins, that would typically come from processing animals. And this professor at UCT can now do the same proteins developed through a plant. So it's a lot, environmentally a lot cooler, it's a lot cheaper. We don't ever throw the plant away like you have to throw the dead animal away. You just regrow it and we, we keep extracting the proteins and the anti antibodies that are required out of plant material. So this is a world first. South Africa might, you know, might lag in a whole number of areas, but we are pretty strong uh, in our innovation work. And what we haven't done successfully in the past is commercialize those things. We've just created at UCT a new heart valve that can basically be utilized in more developing country uh, contexts where you don't have like a fancy you know, hospital to, you know, to carry out the operations. It's a very simple new technology uh, and you know, it, it's, it's going to be the first of many unicorns uh, coming out of, out of the university space. So when I, when I think about impact, I think about innovation probably as a priority. The second one clearly is job creation. And the, the, the constraint in VC, as we've just heard, is you don't, need, you don't need lots of people to scale those businesses. But they do contribute to tax and other, other, other benefits. Jobs is, is not a huge multiplier, but certainly an important contribution. So most startups will you know, sort of be 10 to 20 or 30 people uh, for a big part of their early stage. And if it's really going to scale, you know, then it'll, it'll, it'll get to 100 or 200 people. Uh, so LifeQ is a 4DI investment, high-tech business that uses, basically gets health information out of smart uh, watches, and it's going to be working with Samsung and a whole bunch of other people. And you know, in its early days, it only had maybe 10 or 20 people, but today it's got probably about 250 people because you know it's scaled. Mm -hmm. So job creation clearly there, and then the third impact is 
uh, more social and you know creating uh, uh, an impact in townships and solving uh, problems that government can't solve. So you know, uh, affordable quality education like Spark Schools or healthcare. Lots of people opening affordable clinics. Lots of people doing stuff like that. The one deal we are we are doing is lending money to a company called A to Pay that works with spaza shops, and they're going to be on lending this money for those spaza shops to either buy in bulk or build warehouses or build new spaza shops. We've, we've been doing it for about the last two and a half to three months and the impact is spectacular, which is why we're doubling up in terms of our number into that business. So I would put them into those three categories, innovation, jobs, and improving people's lives. Just staying on the impact, uh, the impact I just want to find out how do we ensure that there's more access to more entrepreneurs, uh, especially more black entrepreneurs? So our, our fund mandate, uh, which is why we haven't given him any money, uh, otherwise, otherwise we love him and what he does, <laughs> is our mandate requires that 50% of our cash be invested in businesses owned by black African South Africans. So they can't look like me or him. Uh, or you, sorry. Uh, and another 25% to, to other blacks and 25% to white entrepreneurs. So it's quite a transform transformative mandate. It's more demanding than, you know, uh, typically what you would find out there. So it has constrained uh, us from partnering with many people, but it has also created a focus. So large numbers of black and particularly African entrepreneurs are being supported indirectly by our fund either in incubators, so we, the, one of the best accelerator programs in South Africa is, is a thing called Grindstone, it's run by Knife Capital, and last year we said to them, you've got to run it on our terms, meaning mainly black entrepreneurs, and we put out a call in Johannesburg, we had 400 applicants, and there are 10 black entrepreneurs on that program today. So clearly there's room for it, and it's mainly you know, a question of, of putting a lot of time and effort into finding them and a little bit of money into funding uh, the incubation and helping them with that initial bit of funding before they can go and raise seed funding. And so our fund, through all of its fund partners, is, is definitely doing that. So we're having some level of, of success, but not, not huge. Okay. Uh, Emmanuel, speak to us about the actuarial techniques that you use specifically in your company um, to bring out the data about small business failure rates and to put risk management in, in position, in place. Um, you know, is there sufficient data on this? Just speak to us about those actuarial techniques that you use. The short answer is we don't have the data, right? Okay. What I'm talking as we go. Um, if you remember the the initial example that I finished about the biological trap, which is a concept that I started in 1950, uh, what happens is we do find that a lot of startups or small business are stuck in that whole biological trap. They can't seem to, 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 to go further. It's perhaps purely because of, particularly in South Africa, because of the limited population perhaps, and some other matrices that we found. And uh, secondly, I would have to also disagree with uh, a few things that have been said on the panel. I think that the way South Africa, in terms of if we want to move forward, it's mainly having to educate the venture capitalist community. It's still new, yes, as Grant said, but I think that a lot of education has to start off from there before they can start educating entrepreneurs because there are a lot of people that are in corporate that have got ideas, black, etc., white, it doesn't matter, but they are there. But the thing is, 
venture capitalists are turning them away or incubators may turn them away solely because they do not know how to scale or to help those individuals with perhaps highly complicated ideas or ideas that uh, they, they don't see the, the green light offered. And uh, from our side, coming back to your question, um, we look at four fundamental principles when assessing um, a small startup or a business. The first one is uh, we'd have to look at the financials solely uh, from a, a price valuation perspective. Is there money on the table on that particular startup? But however, we also do understand, we're also cognizant that start, not all startups are generating revenue. So we do also look at what we call vanity um, matrices. These are perhaps maybe the number of clicks that a website, if you're in the grants, uh, grants uh, tech uh, industry, you look at uh, what you call um, uh, vanity matrices and uh, where you'd count the number of clicks that are made or maybe the number of pending uh, customers that may, 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 may come through. And uh, the way we assess uh, startups uh, in the financial space is we, we also, sorry, we, we also look at uh, the customer acquisition cost in terms of uh, how much will the business, how, how much does it cost the business to acquire more customers? as well as look at uh, quite a number of uh, variables such as uh, viral coefficient as well as the monthly burn rate. The second thing that we look at is the team. Does it have the capacity to take the business forward? And uh, uh, we build tables around each and every one of the factors. The third factor, which I think is more important to me, is we look at the supply and demand curve. Uh, solely because uh, we know that ideally, we like inelastic models because we know that uh, there's, there's demand for them and irregardless how much you charge, but there's still somebody who's going to buy them. A simple example with, uh, is perhaps maybe um, someone had to come up with uh, maybe a, a cure for HIV AIDS, right? Then, and you're the supplier for, for that particular drug that cures. So that there will be demand for it irregardless how much you charge. But in reality, we know that uh, most of the models or most of the uh, products that we get or services that we get from entrepreneurs, they're not inelastic, rather they're elastic. So we have to reach some sort of um, a level of comfortability around our um, elastic measure measurables, which we would look at, and elasticity, I mean, uh, it's calculated as uh, uh, a pr uh, maybe change of uh, uh, productivity, uh, percentage divided by perhaps maybe the, 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 the price percentage production. Then uh, the, the, the challenge around the calculations on, uh, on elasticity um, are, are related or more related to um, what you'd call perhaps maybe uh, hypothetical guesses which are empirical. And uh, that's where stochastic models try and fit in, in terms of what are the probabilities of certain activities taking place versus not taking place. So we try and plug in various percentages and various tables on our models and interpolate that data to come up with some sort of a, a risk measure, whether the, the, uh, that, that uh, startup presents an acceptable level of um, risk or, or, or not. Then we, we, we decline or rate a business based on that.
Great. Uh, Grant, if I can just ask you a question before we uh, pose questions to the panel, um, to the, the floor rather, sorry. Um, you know, have you had any kind of engagements with other institutions, other investments with regards to the venture capital space in South Africa? You're obviously working in the tech space and uh, you can't work in isolation. Um, you know, what, do, what, are, what are the kind of conversations that are being had in terms of where South Africa's venture capital space is moving? Um, so it's definitely, you know, it's a sector that's growing. I think it's growing at quite a good rate. Um, more funding is required, actually. Uh, particularly in the pre-revenue, very little funding. So very little angel seed investment available for people with ideas who haven't yet commercialized. Um, it's quite a tricky one because most institutions are it's probably not up there, you know, up there early. It's not, doesn't meet their, their risk their risk um, appetite um, to fund ideas. But um, it's important that you do bridge that gap somehow, and that's maybe where government can play more of a role. Um, uh, traditionally, those that, that part of the funding cycle is generally from people's own resources, friends, family, um, and that's it's, it's not enough. Um, so yeah, we do engage and are engaged with certainly with the other investors. We, we know most of them. Um, there's often co-investment opportunities. Um, as I said, um, we would like there to be more institutional investment out there. Important private institutions who are sitting on a lot of money. Um, and the reality is, um, presents we think good opportunity. Um, we all know listed uh, equities in this country performing terribly. Um, and who knows when that turns around. Um, certainly investments we've made, we're very happy. Um, and you have to be circumspect. There's obviously high risk, but um, if you pick the right ones, high returns um, available. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, bodies like Savco are important in terms of lobbying, in terms of um, education. Um, and creating sort of cohesiveness between members and different institutions. Um, and yeah, I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, I think main theme, more government support, more institutions who take an interest in the space, which is the case overseas. Um, I think we'll get there because it's a new asset class. A lot of education has to happen. Um, and yeah, we look forward to how it plays out. Great. Uh, let's see if there are any questions from the floor. I hope there are. You guys are a really tough crowd, I must say. <laughs> and it's after lunch. And it's after lunch, so I hope there aren't any people that have fallen asleep. No questions? There's one question at the back. Um, yeah, so certainly there is scope for a lot more mentorship and people who are industry experts giving back to startups, like you see. As an example, you know, I don't know if everyone is aware of the term angel investors, but angel investors generally someone who comes along wants to invest in your business because they like what you're doing. They generally invest quite early when there's a lot of risk. It might be pre-revenue, it might be post-revenue. Um, quite often, those people come with expertise. The reason they're investing is, is generally because it's a sector that they have an interest in or, or expertise in, and they can help. Um, the entrepreneur along their journey. Um, and I think there's scope for a lot more of that to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's maybe some scope for some sort of government intervention where 
um, people are given some kind of uh, incentive to to do those sorts of things. Um, we all know, obviously, there are large government programs around um, skills development, but that's generally at the lower end where it's more about skilling up employees and not so much around skilling up the entrepreneur. Um, so, look, there are quite a few incubator accelerator programs now, and they are growing, and there are more of them. Um, but actually, if you consider some of them receive thousands of applications and then choose 10, 20 people to go forward. So there's clearly a lot of demand where people recognize they need help, um, uh, but it's very competitive for them to actually get that help. Would you like to add something? Yeah, okay. Uh, I agree with you, what, what you said completely. I think, look, uh, fundamentally, I'll still come back to my point earlier on that uh, there are not so many VCs out there that understand what they're doing and to cater particularly for the South African economy. It's more of having to cut and paste models from Silicon Valley, New York, wherever they've, uh, they've seen online, and think that they could perhaps apply uh, in South Africa. I mean, VCs such as uh, the ones that are in Cape Town or Stellenbosch, they've been in existence for, for years and years. They didn't start five years ago. They've been around for, for fundamentally a long time. They don't know how to deal with a perhaps for argument's sake, a black woman who's coming there and attends a meeting and seeking funding for a particular project that they want to do in, perhaps, in Umsinga, right? They wouldn't know how to deal with that. First of all, the black woman will feel intimidated uh, by the setup. And to get capital from those folks, it's almost impossible. I think that the solution resonates around, firstly, having to train the VCs on how to handle situations. And secondly, it's empowering people like you guys who are, who've got the financial acumen as far as um, understanding how financial matters work, et cetera, and the problems in the market to become the next venture capital, for lack of a better term, venture cap VC 2.0 uh, that understands the South African market and that can deal with and address um, South African entrepreneurs with their issues, as well as providing the mentorship to scale going forward. Unless that is done, some sort of a, a radical change is done, we'll be stuck and oscillating on the same axis. This conference is going to take place again next year, and we'll still be talking about the same issues. And all the fund, all the capital, that's, um, that's going to PE firms. Uh, it's not because uh, they present some sort of reliable, re reliability it's because the VCs themselves, um, they were previously VCs, and they figured out that, hey, we're losing capital in venture capital, uh, so in, in, in investing in, in startups. So why don't we try investing in, in uh, private equity? Because our LPs, uh, limited partners, are not very happy with um, the, the returns that we're providing. Uh, we may as well uh, invest in probably more reliable structures. Does that answer your question? Uh, there's a question over here. Oh, three, three more questions. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed that uh, discussion. You mentioned that there were 10 uh, BC funds, roughly 10 operating in South Africa. What's the average fund size? So at the, at the moment, uh, the, the average of the existing VC funds is pretty small. Uh, some of them are as little as 50 million under management. And the largest at the moment is 40i, and they've got 
300 from MMI and 125 from us. So that's 425 million. So 425 million is the largest venture capital fund in South Africa. Do you think you could play in the VC market with 50 million realistically? Absolutely. So here's living, living proof that you can. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 it's the nature of the industry. You bootstrap like the entrepreneurs you're backing. Uh, people that get into VC don't do it, in not, certainly not initially. You're not going to make money doing it. You might eventually. But initially it's about the passion, it's about working with startups, it's about being innovative, it's about doing cool stuff. And so uh, we've just, we've just uh, put together the first woman-managed, black African woman-managed fund with 40 million. And they're not going to get paid a fortune. You know, I can tell you now, they're getting paid 350,000 rands a year. Right? So they, they, in the market, they can earn a lot more than that. But these are people who are passionate about VC, and so they're taking a salary cut, and they hope that this 40 million rand fund can be invested quickly, and then they can raise the second fund, you know, maybe 150 or 200 million rand fund. And then you start, you know, paying yourself a slightly better salary, and hopefully, you know, you get one or two uh, very successful deals out of that process. So our sweet spot is 100 million. So we've, uh, we've used our one point uh, four billion to do thirteen deals at a hundred million each. Thank you. The VC model is often characterized by aggressive, really aggressive growth, followed by an exit, um, and that, that's kind of the Silicon Valley model. I wonder if Africa demands a slightly slower curve to make it more sustainable for the businesses. Uh, I'd appreciate some comments about what your expected exit duration is, and, and whether you think it is something we can do differently here. I mean, the, the, stuff, the stuff we've seen uh, falls into two very distinct categories. And I'm sure from your experience you can provide a lot more data. But what we've seen is that if you are a business, startup business that's focused mainly on the South African and African market, meaning your product is being sold in mainly in South Africa and Southern Africa or Africa, then the growth rate is relatively slow and you need a Series A and a Series B and a CDC round of funding and you're probably going to be in the business for eight or nine years uh, before anything exciting may or may not happen. Whereas category B, you are, you've produced something that is a globally competitive product. By the time you hit series A or B, you're being taken out by an American you know, trade buyer, American investor, or American VC fund. You know, once basically a, a controlling stake, they want the IP to be located in the US and you know, you, you're going to get a relatively quick uh, exit at a, at a relatively good valuation. So we've seen it in both those categories. Uh, just one comment. Uh, I don't think VC is the only way to go. I mean, there are other alternatives. You could try crowdfunding, uh, crowdfunding until a business kind of re reaches some sort of acceptable levels of risk that can be tolerated by the, the VC market space. I know that uh, the venture capital or venture industry is in its raw form, you're almost expecting some sort of about 20% internal rate of return. That translates to about 2x. And uh, to be quite honest, with all honesty and fairness, I, I don't think that I agree with you 100%. I don't think that in the South African economy, entrepreneurs yeah, can't deliver that. 
and it's only in the Silicon Valley space and international markets where they probably can. R right now, uh, it's more of talk in terms of in pitches where you hear people with projections, almost like a hockey stick, but uh, in reality, it's not going on in the ground. I'd like to just jump in. I think if you, I think you can achieve, we see in our portfolio, we are achieving uh, north of 30% uh, on a portfolio basis um, across our non-companies. Non um, and yes, until you've actually sold, you haven't um, earned your return, but we've got data points. Um, and so I think if you circumspect, sure, there's, there's a range, uh, right? Um, different investors, if you're a pension fund, you may say, well, I'm happy with 15 to 20% return, um, but I want to put money into something maybe that's a little bit more mature, less risky, but there's still growth. Um, and if you're taking, the reality is if you're taking a lot more risk, you've got to demand a high return. Otherwise, something's wrong. Um, and so, yeah, look, when you get your exit, whether it's five years or 10 years or longer, it obviously depends on, on what the product is and the opportunity. Um, there are very few RPO opportunities locally. In reality, it's going to be hard for you to build something which will ultimately RPO. Um, so generally, it's, it's, gets us said it's to a trade buyer, uh, competitor who wants your RPO, wants your client base. Um, so there is a range, um, and investors will find what works for them. What, what risk they want to take for what return. Um, but you do need to offer an enhanced return. I mean, interestingly, like in the US, the stats are, I think the VC market over the last 20 years or so, the historical returns are 10 to 14%. It's not high, right? A lot of failures. Um, obviously, you get unicorns and you get the exceptional stories, but there's a lot of failures, and that's not... That's not wonderful, is it, as a return? But that, those are the numbers. Um, just two questions. Is the SA, SME fund closed, or is it an open-ended vehicle? And then are there any thoughts around getting a jobs fund, first loss guarantee on that fund to perhaps crowd in retirement fund investors? Yeah, so, so fund one is a, uh, it's a company structure, uh, people that contribute, subscribe for shares, we would have committed our full fund by the end of this year. So that's going to be the end of Chapter 1. Uh, I can tell you unofficially that you know, the chances of getting a first loss from government uh, to raise a fund of funds for venture capital in South Africa are probably zero. And so what we've done is we are stepping in uh, as the SASME fund into playing that role ourselves. So we will seed a new fund of funds uh, raising program which we will start towards the end of this year uh, once we've got all the sort of governance approvals in place and we will put a 50 million rand first loss position which is not it's not enough but it's all we can afford at this point in time so I don't think I don't think of I can't think of another country in the world where the private sector has provided a first loss position for a fund of funds in venture capital but in South Africa, we're used to being the first. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you to our speakers. Uh, we appreciate your time. We have Thank something small much. for you. <laughs>